0: you're in the right place. Hello, hello, my friend. Welcome to Words That Move Me. I am Dana. I am stoked that you're here, and I'm pooped. <laughs> I just said pooped on my podcast. Um, you're going to get an earful of enthusiasm during this interview, this conversation today. But right now you are finding me at the end of a day, at the end of a travel day, at the end of an international travel extravaganza, and wow, yeah, I am feeling sleepy. So you're going to have a, um, a, an audible whiplash as you go into this interview because I am geeking so hard. <laughs> when I listen back to this interview, this episode, I kind of cringe a little because I'm thinking cool down, Dana, cool, cool it down, be cool, (laughs) Uh, which is pretty adorable, actually, because the woman I am speaking to today, until this interview, was a complete stranger to me. Um, She was a hero of mine, and now she has ascended to an even higher echelon of hero status. Um, You've probably heard the phrase, never meet your hero or something like that. Um, well, I will say that if your hero happens to be Sintra Wilson, I strongly, strongly recommend that you meet her. Sintra <laughs> is our guest this week. She is a writer, a critic, a painter, an artist of all sorts, and one hell of a good time <laughs> in conversation. So, Um, Oh, that reminds me, this conversation has some very strong adult language, so get ready to earmuff it. You are in for a ride. You'll get more context, a little bit more backstory on how I came to find Miss Central Wilson and her work in the world. Um, You'll hear more about that in the episode, so I'm going to skip right ahead to the WINS segment of the podcast. Yes, I have a lot to celebrate right now, but tip top of that list is my adventure to Canada and my safe return with my fellow seaweed sisters, Jilly, Meg, love you both so much. Um, Big thank you to Frank and our friends at Canadian Dance Unit, along with Joanne Chapman and the Joanne Chapman School of Dance. Also, Don Rapid and Elite Dance Works over in Toronto. Um, Dance Spectrum in Calgary. Thank you for having us. Also, super shout out to Susan and David Lawson for sheltering uh, the Seaweed Sisters and for all of the hospitality and love Good, family-friendly, super vibes. Um, And the best cherry tomatoes I've ever tasted in my life, for the record. Um, Holy smokes. Also, shout out, speaking of tomatoes, shout out to Old Dutch Ketchup Chips. If you know, you know. If you don't know, I really hope you find out soon because wowza. Um, all right. Last and certainly not least, I am celebrating and sending a big thank you to Mo Brody and Harbour Dance Center in Vancouver for hosting the first ever Seaweed Sisters workshop. We called it Deep Dive, and we did dive deep into um, a few of the elements and components that we weeds use to make to make fast to make fun. Um, Yeah, we had a two-day deep dive, and I am still basking in all of the seaweed glory of it. I had an absolute ball. I am certainly going to be talking about the trip more here on the podcast, but for now, I'm going to toss it to you. Tell me what's going well in your world. What are you celebrating, and or who would you like to thank right now? Because I just thanked a lot of friendly Canadian types. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe you also have some Canadians you'd like to think. <laughs> Take it away. Yay! Wow! All right, my friend. Congratulations. I'm so proud of you. Keep winning. Now, let's get into this. Sintra is so much fun. And I think that you will walk away from this podcast with at least a few new points of perspective when it comes to fashion and style. Uh, My mind is blown wide open because Cintra talks about fashion as an intellectual pursuit and clothing as an opportunity to be articulate. Leave it to a writer to put it so poetically. Uh you are going to love this. So, let's just get right into it. Enjoy this conversation with the fabulous Sintra Wilson. Sintra Wilson, welcome to the podcast, my very new friend, very new friend.
1: Sister, we're both Wilsons, which means we must be um, you know, 16th cousins. 18 times removed or
0: something like that. Somewhere along the line, yeah. Um, This is really a treat for me, though, because usually... When I have guests on the podcast, they are friends or acquaintances. Genuinely, this is the first time we are speaking. Um, I I feel like I know you, though, because I've spent a lot of time with your book, Fear and Clothing, Unbuckling American Style. Which, let's just talk about the title for a second, because it's incredible.
1: Oh, thanks. Well, you know, obviously I'm a huge fan of Hunter Thompson, so...
0: You must be. We all must be.
1: Um, We all must be.
0: And I think that... uh, like, like Hunter, you have such a vivid speaking, like vo- written speaking voice. So I, f- I feel like we have spoken, although we haven't. Um, I'm so excited to get to know you. Let's start there. I'll just ask you to introduce yourself. Take the mic. What do you want us to know about you?
1: Wow. Well, hi. I'm Sintra Wilson. Um, I've been writing since the dawn of time. Um... <laughs> See, I've been a journalist something like 35 years. Some, I mean, like right around there. I can't add very well or subtract, but like right around 35 years. Um, I uh, started, started as a playwright, ended up uh, writing for a lot of newspapers, um, wrote some stuff for Hollywood, and uh, wrote for the New York Times for quite a while, and have four books out, and... Uh, currently write for the New York Review of Books. Just basically writing, 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 writing. Been writing way longer than anybody cares.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm so glad that you are because I am not a reader. And so it would take somebody who writes a lot for me to find them and ultimately fall in love. So I want to thank my brother-in-law, Shane, for gifting me this book for Christmas. We do, uh, my, my family does White Elephant, not White Elephant, what's it called? Secret Santa. Um, and he got me, and he sent me this book and one other, and this one really, like, I, I, I'm I holding up the book and all of the post-its, the very colorful array of marked pages that I, that I have revisited. Um, so I'm so glad that you write, because I needed to read this. Um, this book is called Fear and Clothing, but it is definitely about <laughs> more than clothing. Um, I think it's about... I mean shit, you, you cover politics, philosophy, art. It is absurd. It is incredible. I it's it's about men and women and human nature and am I leaving anything out? <laughs> I yeah, it's pretty kitchen sinky in
1: yeah, that it way. Is, it is. You know, it's sort of sort of centered around <laughs> fashion as your main conceit.
0: Yo, I can't wait to explain my personal style someday as kitchen sinky. I always used eclectic, but kitchen sinky is way better. Um, I mean, you're wearing everything all at the same time. It it was a goal that I had. I actually one of my shopping rules is to only buy things that I love. Nothing. I will not spend money on a thing that I do not love. It's not like, well, it's it's fine. Let's I'll just grab it. I love. I have to love them. And then my personal style, like that's my shopping rule. But my style rule is to wear as many things that I love at once. So like hey. today today you're getting three. This is a shirt that my mom embroidered for my dad, my favorite oh my God, stripy, stripy, stripy um, men's tank top, and some very large, like literally falling off my body right now, sweatpants with the pockets turned inside out because I don't I love pockets. I need them, but I do not like them taking up space in the pant. So I wear them on the outside until I have to put something in them. And there, there, now you know.
1: (laughs) Now I know your powerful secrets. This is good. (laughs) This is really good. You must be, wow, you must be very, very sensitive if the feel of a pocket inside your sweatpants
0: actually bothers you. Yes. And this is why your book spoke to me because you are also sensitive to like looking at the world and normal people and what they're wearing and why they're wearing it and what like I think you're very good at relating to unlike things, and one of my favorite artists um, has this brilliant saying that the that like that sweet spot is when you find one plus one that doesn't equal two, but one plus one equals one million, and so you're or able at least to see three. like yeah. or at least three, right? And I think there's a um, you're able to relate two things that are unalike. In a way that makes my mind just go like, "Whoa, wait, what?" in a big, big, powerful way. So one plus one equals a million. Thank you. You must not have ADD like I do. I, <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. I've never been like. I've never explored that in terms of like testing or anything. But uh, yeah, I don't think so. What I do I don't have. Think do. What I do have is I. I love to be moving, and I do pay a lot of attention to how things feel on my body while I move. Always the the fitting process, the being styled, the putting together of a costume is one of my favorite and sometimes least favorite, because it can be hard and it can be brutal on the, on the mind-body relationship. But I love <laughs> the finding out what I'll be wearing for performances. It's so much fun.
1: Oh, so you like being tailored.
0: Yes. Oh, my goodness. Which brings me to... I have a funny... Um, Because you used to review, like, big label, luxury, super luxury brands. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know about this from your book, but people listening might not know about this.
1: Oh, I had a very cool job for the New York Times. I was what they called the critical shopper, and uh, they sent me to all of the most snobby, high-end, couture, like, uh, you know, flagship stores in Manhattan. So I would go to Gucci and I would go to Dolce Gabbana and I would go to Tiffany and Barney's and, you know, all of these fabulous shops and i mean when i first started doing the job i had never you know even been in the same room with a valentino jacket so to then be reviewing valentino you know just kind of cold it was it was fun it was a plunge into uh, other waters for me because you know i'm i am uh, not in the tax bracket that can afford that kind of clothing so uh yeah, I had to learn a lot about fashion really quickly, but then I found out that fashion is way more interesting than I thought it was. It's actually a very intellectual pursuit if you actually dig down and get into it.
0: Ooh, say more.
1: Oh, I mean, there's there's so much to fashion that uh, people don't realize. There's you know, I, I mean, in terms of you have to think of your outfit as the billboard that you are saying who you are. To the world every day, like you know, you are you are dressed to, you know, and people are going to make snap impressions on you in one second based mm-hmm. on like how you look and what you're wearing and things like that. So yeah, it's, it's a human it's, thing. It's, it's, it's your semiotic billboard, and you're showing essentially. I mean, people don't realize how much they show when they get dressed. I mean, it is, uh, you know, you're you're basically kind of discussing your bank account, your sexuality. You know, you're, you're, I mean, how much you actually like sex. Uh, you know, and uh, you, you tell a lot about where you're from and where you mm-hmm. think you are and where you think you're going. And so, I mean, I got interested in, in clothing because it's so articulate. You know, Ooh. I mean, a fashion statement is really like a
0: statement. Wow. So it speaks to the writer in you.
1: It does, yeah. I mean, it's like, well, it's also, I mean, if you kind of get into it a little bit, I mean, just on a psychological level, you can find out so much about people through what they're wearing.
0: Mm-hmm. This is reminding me of a piece, I probably won't be able to find it right now, but you explain that when somebody buys a Louis Vuitton handbag, they're not buying it with the intention to let people know how much money they have and what their interests are and what their this is and what their that is and how they this and how they that and how they this and how they that. But that, but that is what they're doing.
1: Well, it's a tax statement. You know, it's a bank statement. It's, a, it's a, as a part of, as opposed to being a fashion statement. It's a bank statement. I think Ooh, because there's I love that.
0: there's <laughs>
1: there's nothing unique about a Louis Vuitton bag. The only thing that it really does is distance you from people who can't afford it. And so it's 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 more of like a, you know, visual Berlin Wall. You know, the, yeah. that sort of separates. You know, I can afford it its time back. Yeah, you Yeah. Can't, you know,
0: it's the that's... six foot, it's the six foot distance thing. It's like <laughs> yeah. you're there, you're there, I'm here. Okay, you're yeah, there. it's I'm conspicuous
1: here. consumption because you can't say it's any kind of like original style statement at this point. They're too
0: mundane. Mm. Whoa, I'm excited. I love this conversation yeah. <laughs> so much. Um, okay, so bank statements, fashion statements. I want to talk a little bit. Circle back to like the sex side of things. You talk a lot in the book about femininity. You talk a lot about finding yours, like your authentic style through punk fashion, which really spoke Mm -hmm. to me, especially the way that you explained it. And I wrote this quote down. You said, punk girls could be pretty, but they didn't need to be pretty. And that hit me so hard. I was like, I, I, I had crushes on all the punk boys when I was in high school. I, I, Went to punk concerts, but I I wanted so desperately to fit in with that crowd. But I think I was too happy. I think I was just too <laughs> fucking happy. I didn't fit. It wasn't natural. But could you talk a little bit? I didn't have that of...
1: problem. No.
0: <laughs> 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 okay, talk a little bit more about that moment in your like fashion timeline, and and what femininity or how that has evolved since then, if it has.
1: Well, I mean, punk rock was an area where you kind of got to get away from all of the female grooming stuff that was so oppressive. I mean, it's like, you know, you weren't worrying about making sure your blonde highlights were in so much as you were, you know, concerned that your hair was completely purple and damaged and, you know, that, you know, you didn't need a nice manicure. They just need to be chipped and black. And, you know, I mean, it was... It was it was rowdy. I mean, it's like you dressed for a punk show to get in trouble and have a good time. And, you know, I I, I kind of, did, like, before there was Britney Spears, I used to wear Catholic girl outfits, you know, Catholic girl school outfits with, like, a little kilt and, and shoes. And sometimes I would carry a box of Cheerios
0: around. <laughs> Making statements, my friend. I mean, it was
1: funny. It was funny. But then, like... Punk rock sort of died and then like I I got involved in these underground clubs and there was a really, really healthy underground scene in San Francisco for fashion where, um, there were these, you know, these clubs like no club and science club and something like that. And you would, uh, my, my friends and I would get, we would start finding stuff at thrift stores on a Monday, like build the outfits all week and get dressed for like three hours a night, you know, getting ready to go out on Friday and Saturday. Yeah. And it was all about originality. It wasn't about like what you owned. It mm-hmm. wasn't about who you wore. It was about how you put things together with your own eye and made a statement that way. And that was really fun. That was true style. Mm. As opposed to fashion, which you buy,
0: mm. you're you're sparking my little antennas right now. One of the things I wanted to talk about today is this feeling that I got recently when I went shopping at a, the mall, which is not a thing I I do very often. But I mean, it used to, it used to be what you do. Like you go to the like What are you doing this weekend? Like My mom's dropping me off at the mall. Like that was a
1: destination. (laughs) Yeah, that was a thing. Mall was a place you went.
0: Totally. Um, So I went to the mall and I noticed about the people there that they were all dressed like freaking dancers. And then I went into like Zoomies or something and they were selling dance clothes. Like I was looking around. I was like, wait, like, wait, why does everybody look like a dancer? Like. Sweatpants, mix-match stuff, tie-dye, bold-ass colors, baggy, baggy sweatpants, and spandex. Like, those two ends of the spectrum. How about leg
1: warmers? Because leg warmers were always my favorite part of dance fashion.
0: I will tell you what is a very underrated piece. uh, Is a very underrated accessory for dancers. You don't see those much these days. But I know.
1: I, you've got to have the shredded, like, you know, fame, I'm going to live You do. You need that. So you need, you the need shredded that. leg warmers. <laughs> and,
0: um, yeah. Okay. So, in addition to leg warmers, we have, like, sweats, big stuff, then tight stuff. Like, both ends of the spectrum. But what I am thinking, my the way that I've kind of, you know, my hypothesis I'd like to make about this, is that COVID, like the lock-in moment made everyone, um, like, take to the streets, if you will, except for the streets are TikTok, and become dancers. And I think that people want to look like they can move because it's popular and cool to be a person who, like, might spontaneously do a little... Dance. And I I think. I was
1: just doing an article about internet influencers and you know, like these. Yeah, yeah, like this girl, Charlie D'Amelio. Do you know about her? Yes. She's been dancing on TikTok since she was about 15 and now she's making $31 million a year selling her own merch. It's just shocking.
0: It's insane. So I think people have gone from like putting their clothes together to buying them on Instagram. Like, you will buy a look, a head-to-toe look, from, like, With from inside the app.
1: name on it. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's,
0: it's crazy to me. Um, okay, I want to bounce back to femininity because I talk about it a lot on the podcast, and I've... It took me a long time to find it in my movement. When I, when I grew up, the dancers that I looked up to were men. My mentors were mostly men. I wanted to dance like a boy. I wanted to be revered as being a person who could hit like a dude and roast the dude. And those are just words that we use. So I think that's really
1: funny because I was always the same way. Like I always wanted to write like a man Mm. and I didn't want there to be any sexual distinction in my work. Like, I, you know, just I don't put me in the sexual ghetto of being a woman writer. Fuck you. But I mean, that's that's always who I grew up admiring, too, It's like I wanted I wanted those kind of muscles in my language.
0: I wanted wanted those, exactly that, the muscles in my movement, but I wanted to be able to look like a woman, and I wanted to be desirable and attractive, and those two ideas, like, I thought that I could not have both, and then add, in, in addition to that thought, like, you can't have both, there's also this thought, this message, we'll say it's from the world but i think it's from the patriarchy there's the message that's like no you should be able to you should be able to dance like a dude and be sexy like a woman and be all literally all the things like there's this pressure to be all the things
1: you know what i think some women achieve it like i think some women do i mean i'm a flamenco dancer like I've I've better doing get flamenco. It.
0: amazing I... I
1: do flamenco and i have been doing flamenco for years and um it's uh Like, the greatest flamenco dancer in history, supposedly, was Carmen Amaya. And if you look at pictures of Carmen Amaya, I mean, she, when she hits the floor, it's like, it's like a machine gun, you know, she's got so much strength. And then, like, you know, because flamenco, you know, doesn't, isn't concerned with the same standards of female beauty. If you look at pictures of Carmen Amaya's face when she's dancing, she looks like a dude. Mm. Like, but she's still beautiful. She's Mm. still beautiful. And like, and but it's but there's a choice. Like Mm -hmm. flamenco has enough of like an emotional spectrum that you can Mm -hmm. actually become incredibly ugly in flamenco, or you can actually Mm -hmm. become incredibly beautiful. And Mm -hmm. it's 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 a large enough uh, there's enough territory for both.
0: Right. I think this is why I'm drawn to dance because I believe it is human. I think it's past woman and past man, and it's it's definitely not what brought me into it, right? Like, my mom didn't want me to be a beautiful lady, so she put me in dance class. <laughs> uh, and I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I guess when I grew up, this was long before we were having nuanced conversations about gender and whatnot, but I, I, it just so happened that I wanted to dance like men. And so finding a femininity that felt... Authentic to me took a lot of time. and I still am finding shades of shades of it now. I'm 36 now, and I am still it's still changing. Like my idea of what is sexy and my idea of what is feminine, my idea of what is attractive is changing all the time. Um, but I, I wanted to talk about there's a um, a moment, oh, I took a note. Where were you? kansas holy shit um you you talked in the kansas section of fear and clothing which by the way i didn't give any context to the book so you traveled around america and you wrote about the style in the places you went to the iowa state fair you were in montana you did salt lake city you did new york san francisco um beverly hills uh i'm i'm certainly missing some but I feel like I didn't say that or we didn't say that. And people might be confused when I say the Kansas section of the book.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I mean, basically, yeah, I toured around in the United States writing about the different style codes of different
0: regions. There it is. I love style code. Um, and you were you talked about seeing a um, a clothesline with, like, women's garments blowing in the breeze. And they're hung from, you know, clothespins on a wire. Oh, that and, was and, in
1: Poughkeepsie. Oh, Ugh. amazing.
0: Um Okay, so then, but you, you you went on to say that there's something very beautiful about. Um... Now there was
1: a there was a clothesline in Poughkeepsie that I saw one time, and it had like beautifully embroidered sheets.
0: Yes, and
1: you know, like really, and and pillowcases, and they were blowing in the breeze on these wooden pegs and on yes. this white line, and I just I burst into tears because it was so beautiful and i thought wow you know anybody who is taking this good care you know of mm-hmm. their stuff of their home i mean it 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 made homemaking a verb for me in a real way
0: yes that's it you talk, i found it here um and then you go on to say you say yeah this 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 makes the idea of homemaking a verb and you say that the most undervalued thing in this world is the time Attention, concentration, and patient effort of unhurried human beings—that there's a distinct improvement in the quality of life when one is in the midst of the of that uncelebrated cornball magic known as the female touch—and I was like, "Shut it! Put it down! Think about that for 14 hours." I really, <laughs> I really love that. My my mo- mom-in-law, mom-in-law—that's weird to say—mother-in-law um, quilts. She is. In freaking credible with the quilt. We have three. I'm just in awe
1: of people who can do these fine detail things. I mean, I paint, but and I'm just trying to figure out how to make a straight line.
0: Still, but you know, it's like I, (laughs) which is actually really, 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 really hard. It's really hard. Yeah, I know. So thank you for that, and it, it brought like. It, that added a color for me in my movement or made me want to add this color to the palette that's intricacy and beauty not by being soft, but beauty by being detailed and it and being patient and taking time. And that's certainly not something that's advocated for a lot in the entertainment industry because there is no time. Um, so, oh, no. I mean,
1: everybody's on breakneck deadlines all the yeah. time. I mean, it's like there's no...
0: Ah, it's so intense
1: yeah I mean it's not like you know when people cook something they love you know and and you know they're making a dinner for somebody they love you know like they're they're really putting the time and they're putting the extra herbs in and they're you know or just that you know that that kind of thing is like when people are really creating from the heart as it were and And, and, versus creating
0: on a timeline
1: and using their their mind and, you know, getting creative about it and, and trying to do something special.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, where do you find that creativity in your life right now? You mentioned you're, um, you're still writing for, explain that one more time, the New York Book Review? New, New York Review of books, I write for them uh, occasionally,
1: and um, I just wrote an article for them. And, you know, I pick up stuff here and there. And, I mean, and you, I, I, but you
0: paint and you dance and you You are a Renaissance woman.
1: I want to plug my Substack because I'm really. Let's proud go. Of, I, don't, I don't know if you've heard of my Substack yet. But, I have not. Um, oh wow! I think you would love it, actually. Um, right. Actually, well, actually, actually um, every week I either print a brand. I I alternate new article, older article that nobody's seen before, new article, older article. But uh, every week I print an article. I read the article. So you can listen to it like a podcast if you want to, and I do an original oil painting, or you get to see one of my original oil paintings uh, on the thing. So it's a it's a it's a whopping dollop of art right in your inbox. All you have to do to subscribe is go to sintra.substack.com. It's free, and uh, I'm having a lot of fun with it. Sintra.
0: You had me at whopping dollop. <laughs> <I said laughs> I'm so in. Dollop. You did say whopping dollop, and I'm so into it. Um, okay, I'm in. Thank you for plugging that. I'm so excited mm. for people to get more of you in their ears and eyes. That's yeah, so this is
1: where I, I get to let my freak flag
0: fly. It's fun. So cool. Um, yeah, you talk about that too. The freak flag. Like life is short. Why would you not fly your flag? Like, and if yeah, exactly. and if we are our own. This is the thing. So when I lived, okay, for a short time, I lived in the Bay Area. I was in, not in San Francisco. I lived in Sunnyvale, um, close, to, very close to Cupertino. And while I was there, I had this. I made this decision: do away with brands. No more logos. No more brands. I don't want to billboard for anyone else. Oh, did you
1: read else. that Naomi Klein book? No
0: logo. Oh, I did not. But ah. it's that. I mean, I did that. I wanted that. That I wanted to not. I just didn't want to be a walking billboard for other people. So I got rid of all the things, and I decided I would wear only black, white, and gray. I do not know where that part came from.
1: I only wear black and sometimes gray.
0: (laughs) Sometimes gray. I remember, yeah, as I was reading, I was like, oh, so we aren't the same person then. (laughs) Because I prefer the entire rainbow spectrum. But what I learned from that time... You know what? I think what I was trying to do was the... The Steve Jobs approach. I just didn't want it to take so long for me to decide what I would wear every day. Um, So I wanted all the things to be able to match each other. Black, white, and gray and any combination will look good. That's fine. I'll just do that. And what I wound up finding is that maybe just also the clothes that I got or the clothes that I had. I did not like how they fit. So I never wore them. I just didn't like how they fit. So that's a huge. Yeah, the clothing feel thing for me is so freaking huge i never really it yeah it, it that informs what i wear way more than whether it has a logo or not it has to feel try stuff funky on. yeah have you to gotta wear try
1: it has to try stuff on you never know
0: yeah that's another reason why i'm not doing well in this buy your clothes on instagram time because i have to wear it i have to try it on i have to try it on.
1: you gotta try it on i mean it's like there's there's you know i mean especially if you're kind of like Going for something with some shape to it, like a dress or something like that. Like you never know what it's gonna look like on the hanger. You've gotta put it on.
0: Mm-mm.
1: Sorry, it's from Halloween. Th- and to clean your refrigerator, you can use a paste made of white vinegar and baking soda. Look.
0: Please, 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 I cannot wait for wait, what's it called? The something stack? Substack? What is it? Substack. Substack. Yeah. I cannot wait. I wanna learn all the things that you know. Okay. Um now I wanna ask another question. Um, I was wonder, wondering if you don't want to go into it, this is okay too, but I've certainly encountered my fair share of professional heartbreaks. And on the podcast, we talk a lot about, you know, resilience, continuing, what is it that helps you keep going even when things don't go your way? Um, and, and, um, so I know in the book, you talk a lot about how you, stopped writing for the new york times and i was wondering if you'd talk a little bit about what happened how you navigated that transition Oh, um, yeah yeah
1: (laughs) well that was tough i mean it was really it was really tough for me because i felt like the times fired me when i was doing the best work of my life like, I felt like, oh, my God, I've really fucking got something now. Like, I've really got my voice. and sh- I mean, I was writing like a motherfucker for the Times. And they, you know, it was just, you know, they got rid of me. And there's various theories on why this happened, and I won't go into that. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't because of JCPenney, which is what people think.
0: Mm. But,
1: um, I mean, it was, it was mainly because I was, and I mean freelancers get this shaft the end that's what happens you know it's like i i was a freelancer and then the Times said that i was not allowed to do any other work except work for them Mm, and you're like
0: that's no longer freelance (laughs) well i'm like
1: you know you i mean i'd love to but you're not paying me a living wage you know it's Mm -hmm. like i was only writing two articles a month and i'm like i need to survive so i have to write other stuff and so they fired me for that holy
0: smokes um yeah um, can you will you talk a little tiny bit about jc penny because i know what you're talking about but i don't oh, think other God. people do
1: i was canceled mm-hmm. i mean that I was that was like proto cancellation like before they called it canceling i got canceled yeah. Um, I wrote this article about J.C. Penney, and like the Times thought it would be funny to send me to J.C. Penney and have me review it the same way I would review Eve Saint Laurent or something like that. And so, like you know, I went in, and I was game, and then I then I noticed that they had like J.C. had compared to the rest of Manhattan these huge mannequins, and so I started joking around about these huge mannequins. And um, Jezebel picked it up and took a took a sentence that I had out of context, mm-hmm. and I pissed off uh, millions of overweight women in the mm-hmm. world uh, mm-hmm. who wrote me terrible, miserable, threatening, hateful <laughs> letters, mm-hmm. um, telling me they were going to kill me, and things like. That. And it was like the sky turned black for about three weeks. You know, just like it was. It was like the birds mm-hmm but um uh, so that was tough and then i apologized um i didn't even realize what a big deal it was until uh, you know it, it didn't stop it went on for like three weeks you know jc mm-hmm. pennygate mm-hmm. and you know it blew over eventually but it was a really interesting it was interesting to get busted for something taken out of context like Mm. that. It just kind of showed you, like, how dangerously conservative things are getting right now and how much, Mm. you know, how much even the inane amount of censorship that's going on, you know, places like The New York Times or whatever like that. Um, Self-censorship and, like, the fear of saying anything that will offend people is so outrageous right now. I mean, Mm -hmm. especially with, you know... Uh, intersectional feminists t- attacking everyone, trans eating their own. Um, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a mm-hmm. fucked up time to say stuff. You can get in a lot of trouble,
0: and it's and it's also condemnable to not say stuff, to stay silent. You can also get in trouble for not speaking up on things. So it is a very interesting time to be speaking, to be making statements, if you will,
1: yeah. I mean, it's like people, I mean, they're afraid. Right. Publications are afraid of you, even if you're just mildly funny,
0: Hmm. you know, like it's it's because it's risky because of the risk.
1: Well, I mean, mean, even if they can't figure out why it's offensive, if it's funny, they'll assume it's offensive.
0: Right. Got it. So we're all afraid of offending people. Do you think that is uh, (laughs) expressed in our clothing as well? Do you think we're in a moderate fashion chapter of the of America's history? Do you think clothing is less offensive?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, I mean, you know, but there's always... I mean, you can never make blanket statements about fashion today because mm-hmm. it's atomized into too many camps, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's too many tribes. There's too many, uh, you know, locuses of power. It's not like it was in the 70s or 80s when all of, like, the manufacturing and distribution and stuff was kind of coming from more or less the same sources. I mean, everything is... There's been a huge diaspora in terms of fashion, and so, like... You know the 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 overall messages. What is the shape this season? You know what's the look? I mean, they don't. It doesn't just come from, you know, a handful of fashion houses anymore. It comes from Mm -hmm. all over the place. I mean, it comes Mm -hmm. from the street. It comes from everything. Mm
0: -hmm. I think I like that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, there are no more rules, really. Fashion is like, you know, there's no, there's there's no, like Anna Wintour no longer gets to tell you what to do.
0: Correct. (laughs) Correct. Although I will say she visited us on set one day uh, while we were shooting in the Heights. And it was um, during one of our longest, hottest, most packed shoot days. It was a very heavy day. We were shooting Carnival. And it's, it also is like the heart of the film. It's a very important and moving scene. And I remember walk, walking through it like kind of a crammed alleyway going like, Oh my God, that smells good. What the fuck is that?
1: And it was Anna <laughs> And it was, was Anna.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, damn, you have to have so much money to smell that good in this alley. Like, like Lynn Manuel Miranda is right next to you and he doesn't smell that good. And I'm just thinking, like, you went from air conditioned unit to air conditioned unit to air conditioned unit. And you'll, I, I was just like, I, genuinely, I walked by again because it was like, "It was probably made oh of God. just
1: like you know, unborn opium poppies or something." You know, totally like, like,
0: <laughs> incredible. Um, okay, so fashion and the and the fashion like, like, what's the word I'm looking for? The 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 the, the, the rules of the moment, the offerings of the moment, the the trends—they're coming from all over the place. They're not just coming from you know the fall issue or whatever they're not coming from anna um so they're coming from all angles but they also have less um less less roots less context like people wear things cuz they think they look good not because they're re- rebelling against their dad or because they're part of a biker gang they're just wearing a black leather jacket because they like the look of it and it has no, like that's, that's holes what... that are pre-worn in it and you know like the context of all of that, the context ca- of the I call hippie them movement, like
1: workless work shirts, you know, oh, what I mean? oh, yeah. like 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 <laughs> jeans that have had a very exciting history that you have not had yourself, you know, it's totally. like you know your your jeans have gone, you know, sailboarding and and uh, you know, it's just I yeah, I I really hate. I hate hate how the message has been removed from fashion in so many ways. I mean, it's like you see a black leather jacket now and it's sort of like, yeah, it's a black leather jacket. I mean, it used to actually mean something and it used to like there, there used to be a clothing that could state I am against the status quo. Mm-hmm. I am anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. I am somebody who is seeking to, you know, undermine the, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the the status quo as it is now in the sort of bourgeois lie of life or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, but then because fashion, you know. Um, fashion co opts these messages especially punk rock or something like that and tweezes all the meaning out of it right i mean it used to be counterculture now it's just mm-hmm. hip mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and like hipness usually comes from the counterculture It usually mm-hmm. comes from the demimonde or the avant-garde and so we look to you know the punk you know the Sex Pistols, Malcolm McLaren, somebody like that. Like they were they were very much epite la bourgeoisie. Like they wanted to make a statement that was against. Yeah. Everything else, right? Yeah. yeah. And what what you what, what fashion does now by neutralizing these semiotic messages in fashion, it makes it much harder to dress like a rebel <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because everybody dresses like a rebel now, you know. I mean it's like there like Deleuze says capitalism reaches everywhere. It is like the all contorting glove that can mm. fill in every nick and cranny of life, you know?
0: Oof. But they can't decide they capitalism. <laughs> they can't decide what I wear today. Like, wow. it, does it fit into every nook and cranny? I mean, I'm. I hope not. I hope not.
1: Well, they they miss a few spots. I try to live in those spots.
0: You try to live in them. I'm with it. Well, Sintra, I would. I would love to live in those spots with you. I'm so excited to know you. To hear more. I'm so excited about the substack. Did I say what? it right? I can't believe I really learned about a new thing today. Um, But I do want to do a quick burnout round before we go. Sure. I'm going to do a couple like pretty standard rapid-fire questions, and then I also want you to fill in the blank. We'll start with those ones, okay?
1: I'll try. Fill in the
0: blank. Um, Fashion is...
1: Oh come on, man! That's like a that's, a that's a, that's like it. a nine hundred word <laughs> essay. I mean, like uh, you could say oh, it doesn't
0: have to be one word. You could say fashion is a nine hundred word essay. I would accept that was actually pretty good.
1: Well, okay. I mean, no, fashion. Fashion, I think, is the stuff that appears that is the look that you're supposed to have right this minute. Whereas mm-hmm. style, fashion is temporary, and style is enduring. Style, style is, uh, you know, f- fashion's trendy, right? Trends yes, that come yes, and go. Yes.
0: Style is style endures. Yo, wait, Cynthia. I'm gonna, I'm gonna abort the rapid fire question and answer session because I have to ask you this question. I mentioned that every season, which for me here on the podcast is just a year, it's just a, I call it season two, it's just our second year, every year I ask all of my guests the same question and all of their answers go into one mashup episode at the end, and one year, the question was, what is the difference between technique and style? And you just answered the, the question, what is the difference between fashion and style, which is fascinating, but because you are a writer and you must be a technical person, I would love to hear your answer to that question. What's the difference between technique and style?
1: Well, technique is the stuff that you can learn. It's like a skill set, you know? I mean, like, you, you you, have to learn technique. You have to know, I mean, you know, at least in terms of writing, you have to mm-hmm. know English. You have to, mm-hmm. you have to know where to put the commas and the punctuation marks and stuff like yes. that. But style is, like, okay, technique is the box that you have to perform in. And style is reaching every single corner of that box.
0: Center, my friend. Ooh, you nailed it. I love this answer. I love this answer. One of my other favorites from that from that round of questions was technique is the what and style is the so what. So what? Why does that matter? Why do why should I care? Oh, style
1: um, I think is terribly important.
0: Yeah, I so agree. It's it's the style begs the question of like it's the so what it's so 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 important and you Um, always
1: know when somebody has style even if it's a style you wouldn't wear to save your life you know it's like you you see a real cowboy walking down the street like that guy looks tremendous you know it's like yes and that's why this
0: book is amazing because we see you show us all those people you explain all of those people and their tremendousness because you and you can see it in them and i think that is also truly special and and the mark of a real artist is finding beauty in in human, in normal, normal or mundane. Um, but, man, I am so just, grateful.
1: Just giving credit where credit is due, you know. I think that's important.
0: Yes. Another area where we align. Um, well, thank you so much for being here and for chatting with me. I look forward to the sub stack. And I hope everybody goes out and reads Fear and Clothing, Unbuckling American Style, because it changed The way I look at humans in the world, and it changed the way I look at myself in the mirror. So there you have it. Thank Thank you, you, Sintra. Thank you. You're welcome. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye.
1: Bye.
0: Well, my friend, are you not impassioned, inspired, even? Maybe feeling a little experimental or rebellious in nature? I certainly hope so. Uh, this episode touched on so much, I don't actually know where to begin. Oh my god, we even coined the term kitchen sinky. That's how much we touched on. Kitchen sinky was born in this episode. <laughs> um, but I I particularly loved Sintra's distinction between fashion and style and the way that she champions counterculture and counterculture itself is something very interesting to be thinking about in this cultural blip in time. Uh, I have linked to Sintra's substack and the many times referenced Fear and Clothing, Unbuckling American Style, America's Style. Wait, hold on, I've got it right here. Unbuckling American Style. Uh, Link to those in the show notes. Please, please check it out um, so that you can see for yourself that what you just heard was really the tip of the iceberg. I hope that you get into Central Wilson. I also hope that this episode has given you permission to not get your nails done, even when you think that you, quote, should. Because man, chipped nail polish can say so much more than I didn't have time to get my nails done. So with that, i will send you out there into the world let your freak flag fly and of course keep it super funky i will talk to you soon bye this podcast was produced by me with the help of many music by max winnie logo and brand design by Bree reitz and big thanks to riley higgins our executive assistant and editor also massive thanks to you the mover who is no stranger to taking action. So go take action. I will not, cannot stop you from downloading episodes or leaving a review and a rating. I will not ban you from my online store for spending your hard-earned money on the cool merch and awesome programs that await you there. I will 100% not stop you from visiting wordsthatmoveme.com if you want to talk with me, work with me, and make moves with the rest of the Words That Move Me community. Oh, and also... I will not stop you from visiting thedanawilson.com if you're curious about all the things that I do that are not words that move me related. (laughs) All right, my friend, keep it funky. I'll talk to you soon.